Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay. One second there. Okay. I don't know what. <laughs> man, I was like, I cannot believe you hung up on me, man. So, picking picking it right back up, I know you were just talking about Phoenix and the project you were going to be working on, Mm -hmm. and I know you've been really, really involved in his process and career, really encouraging. Is there anything you've learned through helping him to develop in the field that maybe you didn't realize or acknowledge as an adult actor? Yeah, you know, (laughs) excuse me, one (coughs) one of the things that uh, actors, you know, we get so caught up in the, um, oh man, I gotta, you know, I gotta get this role or, you know, you get, you get so much angst and anxiety and sometimes that actually is, is hurtful to the creative process because you start letting your mind race ahead. Oh man, I'm auditioning for this thing. If I book this thing, imagine how, how great it'll be. And all that does is sometimes, um, <laughs> gives you, uh, unnecessary um, stress and angst. And what I've learned from watching Phoenix is like the immediacy of it because he's only interested in what he's doing right now because he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand okay. like, you know. So so he, he, he auditioned for this role in uh, this, uh, for this movie, um, Macbeth, which is, this was a couple of months ago, which is being produced right. by the Coen brothers. Um, starring, you know, Francis McDormand, Denzel Washington, and I forgot who else is going to be in it. And the Coen brothers are, are directing it. And he goes in for this role for this kid, um, and it's Shakespearean language. And he's never done anything like this before, and he crushes the audition. And so we get a call wow. from the um, – we get a call from his manager, and she's like, the producers want to see him. And so now I'm taking him over to Warner Brothers – and I'm like through the roof, like edgy and excited, and he's like, la da da, you know. It's just like another audition <laughs> for him, right? And so we, so we get there, and the door opens, right, for him to go in the room. And at his age, parents stay outside, and the door opens, and there's Francis McDormand sitting right in there. And I know, as an actor, for me, I would be like, oh my god, you know. And Phoenix goes in, right. and he's like, yeah, I'm just going in to do my thing, and you know, and I and I realized like. 
that's actually the better way to be, right? Because all that all that anxiety does is get in the way of your creativity and, and it just always reminds and then as soon as as soon as he finishes with an audition, he's not even thinking about it. Like I gotta actually fight him to sit down and watch the audition because he's like, I don't wanna see it. I've already done it already, I know what I did, I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to move on to the next thing. And there's so many actors that, you know, we get hung up on like, oh, my God, I got to watch this. And, and and I think just being able to do it and let it go and open yourself up to whatever the very next audition is going to be. I, I know it intuitively, but when I see it through him, it's a reminder. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. He's a very, he's a very smart young man. Yeah. And, you know, that definitely speaks volumes for the old saying that, you know, if you focus on a problem too much or trying to perfect the, you know, be perfect or perfect this or not make a mistake, you're going to make a mistake because you're too focused on not making a mistake that you're not going to see all the right things you're doing. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, you do your preparation, you go in. And, you know, you do your thing and then you walk out of there confident that, like, I did my thing, whether they like it or not or whether they think it was great or not, I did my thing. And and that's the hardest, man, as an artist, sometimes that's one of the hardest things to do is because you put so much into it, you care about it, right. but you then have to do it and just be like, y'all are going to think whatever you think. And as long as I know I did my best and I'm prepared, think what you will. Yeah, and, and, you know, your care and, and the passion you have for the craft, you know, it carries over. You're very personable, likable. It carries over into your interactions with others and on screen. It's very visible that you're very invested. I know you're really sarcastically funny and you're kind of like a little bit edgy sometime with your humor on social media. It's, I've seen you put like for real, for real as like a tag on there. Is, is this really like how you are in person? Like if we were to meet up like at a restaurant or somewhere, would you still have that same Oh, man, let me tell you, I'm a hot, let me tell you, I'm a hot mess. <laughs> All right, I'm a, I'm a hot, I'm a hot mess in person. Like, I, I, I am, I, you know, I would say that people who would know me would say that uh, my sense of humor is pretty much like what you see. It's probably, you know, pretty dry. It's probably pretty dark, um, sometimes bordering on the, you know, on the edgy, but it's, no, I mean, and I, I'm, I guess in some ways maybe that's just a reflection, um, you know, it's kind of a reflection of me and, and you know, right. where I'm from and and uh, and the journey that, you know, the journey that I've been on. Right, right. And if I recall properly, you're from New York. Yeah, 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 born and raised yes. in South Jamaica, Queens. What, what? <laughs> so, now... I read somewhere that you might attend a fundraiser for Ex Offenders Resource Network. I know mm-hmm. it was talked about mm-hmm. like a couple of years ago to uh-huh. raise awareness about the need for effective prisoner reentry programming. Yep. I know Mr. Whitfield on the call, he you know, he's the founder. So mm-hmm. um you know, I I'd, I'd like to talk a, a little bit about what got you interested in, in potentially supporting that. Well, first of all, I have a 
couple of family members actually who have uh who have been incarcerated and um when they got released, you know, one of them went to college, got his degree um in uh in computer science and was having a real difficult time um finding a job, right? And it's like um you know, he you know, look, to be able to finish and get your bachelor's degree um, after being released from prison, right? Like, all, and like, and I and I just That's saw, huge. yeah. It, you know, I was really, I was really proud of him for for instead of you know coming back and saying, man, you know, I, there's nothing I can do. He really went out and tried. But I also saw how difficult it was for him to get a job. Where sometimes you know he was tempted to lie on in, in his on his application. And then after getting hired, they found out and they would let him go. Or he would oh. tell the truth on his application, and then, of course, they wouldn't hire him um, to begin with. And it just seems like, listen, you know, like if someone has made a mistake and, you know, as a society we have said, okay, for this mistake, your punishment is X, Y, Z, and that person does X, Y, Z, right, then in theory their debt or their punishment to society has been fulfilled, right? And so from right, that point right. on, they should be able to have, you know, um, the rights and the opportunities of other people. Because if you don't give, if you don't allow that opportunity, then what you're doing is you're setting this person up for recidivism, right, and going back to prison again. Because Absolutely. if you can't do it, if you can't do it legally, you're going to do it illegally, right? And so it seems like the system is kind of, kind of ask backwards, right? Like we should be giving people all the opportunities to uh, reintegrate with society, all the opportunities to, you know, become a working member, taxpaying, you know, member of society. It seems like we should be welcoming that, right? You did your, you did your bid, now you're back, but, but that's not the case. And so, I, you know, I understand it from an intellectual level, but I also understand it from a personal level because I got family members who went through it. So when James suggested it to me, I was like 100%. Yeah, and it also sounds like financially it's it's lucrative to keep that pipeline to prison open. 100%, especially with private prisons. And, you know, private prisons are like if, if they don't have a certain amount of prisoners, they start charging the state more, right? And so, like, it just right, seems like absolutely. It's, it just seems like, okay, so we're we're setting it up to have people in prison when the reality is, is you know, you want these young men and women coming back and being able to reintegrate into society, right? Like, you want them to join their families and go to work and, you know, and, and it just seems like the system is set up completely the opposite way. That's right. a big business, John. And uh, Sam, you know, states um, go into these uh, bid uh, programs where they can get up to billions of dollars as long as they can fulfill the, the prison beds at 90% capacity. Right. If they fail to reach that 90% capacity of filling the beds, then they in turn get fined uh, half of what they've been paid out. So right. they got a. So they got five hundred million, and they have to pay another two hundred fifty million back in. So three quarters of a billion dollars just because they failed to fulfill that ninety percent fair deal. Right. Right. So well, quick, you know, I, I, go ahead. 
No, no, I was going to say, and the system is, you know, it's broken all the way through, right? Because, you know, you've got people who are getting arrested, and, you know, we have this whole system that's set up for people to have to take plea deals, right? Because if they don't take a plea, then they get a longer sentence, so they take plea deals, and they go to prison, and they get this record, then they come out, then they can't get a job, and then, whoops, right back to prison again, so. Well, here's a big question that wasn't on our script. But, you know, talking about all the prison and the second sentences and the discrimination and the pipeline and, you know, feeding the beast, the machine of prison, how do you think the reform of police departments and George Floyd, the protests, things like that, how do you think that's going to affect the prison system? Because I know COVID-19 and some of this stuff has already affected local jails, uh, but I'm not sure how it might affect the prison system. How do you think it might affect? You know, I, I, that's a good question. I mean, I, he, here's what I think. I think that if – because I, I've, I've, I grew up in the hood, right? So I've seen the police and interactions with the police from that side pretty much my whole life. It's only been a couple of years from being on the show where I've had it to see it from the other side, right? And so I I have a little bit of insight of what the police go through. It's not an easy job, right? And it's not it's it it it's dangerous. It's it's not easy, but at the same at the same time, right? There are absolutely abuses that are that are going on and so um right. there are people who are in prison right now because of police officers that like, you know, weren't doing what they were supposed to do, whether it was manufacturing evidence or planning evidence or whatever. There's people who are in prison right now. So I think if police departments are overhauled, and look, it'll never be perfect. There's always going to be a bad cop, right? There's always going to be a couple of bad cops. The problem is, though, is that the culture of the police with the, with, with the, you know, with the blue wall, right, is that even when good cops see cops who aren't good, there's no incentive for them to come forward because what it does is it ostracizes them. And so, you know, if you're going to be the cop who is going to call on other cops, when you're out in the street and you need help, backup may be real slow to come, right? Or it may not come at all. So cops are not dumb so that there's got to, the system has to be rebuilt so that there's an incentive for good cops to want to make sure that the other cops are good because they recognize bad cops are bad for society. It's bad for the department. It's bad for society. But if you if you if you overhaul how the what happens with the police, because you know it's like it's like they say, garbage in, garbage out, right? So if you right. overhaul the police department and the police department is look, there, there are people who commit crimes. There are people who commit murders and robberies and rapes, and right. that happens, and, and police officers are the ones who go out and get it. But there's also, you know, we've seen so many instances of, you know, excessive force being used where it didn't necessarily have to be, right? And so, like, right. people plan evidence being planted on stuff. I mean, we've all seen the stories, and now with body cams and with cell phones, a lot of, a lot more of that stuff is coming to light. So I think when you start to over overhaul the police department, um, better cases will start coming in, but also you'll probably start getting 
better cooperation among the community, right? Because the community, the African-American community has been screaming about this problem for decades, right? But nobody believed this, right? There was never, you know, if you you got beat up or somebody in your family got shot and you went to the police station, you weren't going anywhere because no proof and it's your word against the cops. And, you know, so we've always known about this problem, and I think that probably – fosters a lot of distrust between the African-American community and the police department. And I think when that problem starts getting addressed in a meaningful way, I think ultimately long-term it will improve the relationship between, um, between you know, minority communities and the police department. Because let's face it, Beverly Hills residents don't aren't nervous about the cops. They're happy to see them, right? They're always happy to see the Beverly Hills Police Department because they have a different relationship with them. Right. right, their their needs are being met in a different way. Their kids are not being profiled and stopped. You know, nobody, no no kid in Beverly Hills gets gets you know shot unarmed by you know four police officers. Like that doesn't happen, and there's a reason why it right. doesn't happen. Right. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh. Well, John, we um, we're just about out of questions here. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, okay. I do. We do have one more question. If you could say something sure. to all of the fans who have faithfully followed you, followed your career, and followed the three seasons of Murder Chose Me, what would you say to them? Okay, so you know, his his it's funny. I I remember. Um, a fan hit me up. This is like right after the beginning of Murder Chose Me and was like, oh, you know, I'm so surprised that you replied back to me. And I was like, listen to me. I will always reply back to any fan who hits me up. And the reason is simple. I remember a time not that long ago when, like, the only fans I had were me and my son, right? And, like, that was it was just the two of us. So I'll never forget um, not having any fans. And so having people who... You know, and look, and let's face it, people have people have their own lives going on. They got, you know, families and mortgages and work and, you know, health issues. And so when someone takes time out of their busy life to contact me to say, you know, whatever, I'm a fan of yours or a fan of the show, how dare I not be able to take a few minutes back to tell them thank you? Because, I mean, like out of all the things we all have to do during the day, you know, Contacting some actor is probably one of the least important things, right? So for someone to do that, I I really appreciate it, you know. And I would just say to the fans, um, I can't begin to tell you guys um, how much the interactions with you guys have meant, um, how much the love and support from you guys, how uplifting that is. I mean, I've had fans, you know, I don't even know these people, and people have hit me up and like, you know, John, I'm praying for you, and I'm like, man, you know how powerful that is. Like people I don't know. Wow. People got family members don't pray for you. You know what I'm saying? You got strangers, you got strangers saying, "Yo, you know, I'm praying for you and I'm following your career and you know, God bless you." And it's like, man, it's been so uplifting. It's been so amazing. So I would just then you know, fan will come up and I remember one lady came up and she's like, "Oh my God, I'm so excited to." To, to to meet you and I'm sitting there thinking, Lady, I'm excited to meet you. You're a fan of mine. I'm just <laughs> I'm probably just <laughs> as excited to meet you as you are, you know what I'm saying, as you are to meet me. So I would just want to say to the fans, man, like from the bottom of my heart, I really truly appreciate the love and their interaction and, you know, 
you know, us being able to, like, have that. So if you guys hit me up, I'm always, you know, whether I have 5,000 or 55,000 or 555,000 fans, if it's at all possible. Um, sometimes that takes me to half the day to go through the messages, but I want to make sure that, you know, I reply back to everyone because uh, because I think they deserve that. So just really a big heartfelt thank you. Well, you know, John, we we love you, and it is a pleasure and an honor to speak to you and interview you, so I deeply appreciate it. And I I just want to say, I I don't know if I can speak on behalf of everybody, but I greatly appreciate what you do and what others in your craft do because it takes us out of our own selves and out of our own little – and out of our own lives for a moment and transports us into your world, the world that you're portraying, and allows us to feel something other than what's inside of our own heads for a while. So thank you. My pleasure, man. Thank you, and uh, thank you guys so much for having me on, and thank you guys for the support. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't be more thankful enough for the love. I appreciate you coming on, John. And once again, you know, uh, now, all right, now this last part, I'm going to cut this right here. But uh, Lucy's been a big fan of yours, man. She's been hounding me for your phone number. Now let me quit playing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, James, James, James. (laughs) You just don't put your own blast. Oh, my goodness gracious. James. You know, I'm I'm forward and direct enough. I lived in New York. I think I'm forward and direct enough that I could ask him for myself. Thank you. Anyway, now Lucy and I we work together on a lot of different projects, John, and you know, yeah. fun and very smart lady and you know. And uh things like we have uh you know the the uh, my, our next guest coming up tomorrow, uh, well on Tuesday I should say, is uh, Jim Cressman out of uh, Canada for mm-hmm. uh, so Entertainment, and it's like country uh, Canada's well Canadian Country Music Association. All the big okay. dogs, yeah. a lot of them are on his label, and he's um, also has a a label. That is a joint venture with Universal Music Group, and you know so. And uh, but you know, but anyway, they're they're following your story as well as a lady named Simone Higginbottom out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. She's following okay. your story. She's doing but, some tremendous community service work. Tremendous. That's awesome. Okay, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Well, hey, one, you guys, I think if, if you guys follow me, you know how I feel about uh, you know social social um supporting social programs and getting involved in volunteerism and you know especially stuff with kids that's that's kind of my soft spot okay well hey well once again john hey we, we appreciate you thinking i know it's supposed to be two hours but man don't nobody really <laughs> but yeah i put that out there <laughs> you know, you know, down to an hour and you know and then that way when people call in and they still want to know how can they get in contact with you, then we'll see if we can't get you back on. And that way maybe have an open open mic for you. Right. Absolutely. John, cool, cool. Yeah. John, why don't you give your, your Instagram handle, your Facebook, your oh, cool, any any cool. kind of 
meeting spaces you have, groups that you have, so that people can look you up? All right, cool. So um, you can uh, you can get me on Instagram at John Nicholson the actor underscore. So the underscore goes after the R in actor. John Nicholson the actor underscore. Uh, on Facebook, you can find me at John Nicholson the actor. Um, and on Twitter, you can get me at John Nicholson seventy one. And hey, y'all! If you're looking at an actor or a, an entertainment professional's page, and they don't have that little blue check mark by it, it's not them. <laughs> well, hold on! I don't have a blue check mark yet. I'm on my way to getting one, but I don't have one yet. So don't say that. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get verified. I'm just going to Well, I mean, that's a big pet peeve of mine. Priyanka Chopra, she was uh, spoofed and somebody was running around pretending to be her. I reported it, but, you know, it was just, I don't don't respect that kind of thing. You can't jump on somebody else's clout. You know. 100%. 100%. Uh, Trust me, I'm trying to get verified. It ain't easy, but I'm, uh, I'm definitely trying. I hope they verify you soon. They need to. I hope so, too. I, I, I do. I hope so, too. All right, then, brother. Hey, well, you have a great rest of your evening, and we thank you once again from the bottom of my house. All right, man. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you we love you, Josh. Absolutely, man. You guys have a good night. You, uh, you too. too. All right, man. Peace out. Okay. All right. Peace out. And this is James Whitfield. And... Sam, also known as Lucy Bones at Our Turn Social Media Network Radio. Thank you for joining us, and we will wrap up here. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.